Amen, amen. How's everyone doing this morning? All right. Would you remain standing with me as we go into the Word of God this morning? I want to welcome you all today for an exciting word today. As we get ready, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And this is what the Word of God says. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cured from leprosy. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. We're going to stop right there. Immediately he was healed. And as I read this passage, I really saw this man as someone who was desperate for change. I saw someone who was in agony, tired of the way his life was going. And there were three things this man did that changed his life forever. So this morning, I want to speak on a subject entitled, Living a surrendered life. Let me say that one more time. Living a surrendered life. Before I do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Father, we thank you for this morning and we gather together in your house to just learn your word, to worship you, to fellowship. So we thank you, Lord, for Sundays. We thank you, Lord, for another week that you've allowed us to be in your house another week that we've survived, Lord, another week, Lord, that we can come and worship you. So today I pray that you would use me to preach your word. Help us to understand it and apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat where you're at. Living a surrendered life. At this point, Jesus had just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, which was For days, Jesus was preaching to the crowds and people began to witness not only this amazing teaching of Jesus, but they began to witness the miracles and the healings that Jesus was doing. So Jesus, at this point, was already popular and mass crowds would follow him where Jesus could barely escape. And it was was by the thousands that people would gather just to listen to him, just to hope and see the miracles that he was doing. And as the crowds followed him, Matthew points out a man. This man stood out among everyone in the crowd because this is the one man that came from the crowd. He knelt before Jesus and Jesus touched this man. Now, What made this man stand out was that this man had leprosy. And when you had leprosy, the serious skin disease, this was a disease that caused many people to be rejected. When you had leprosy, you were cast out, you were rejected, you were thrown outside the city, you lost your home, you lost your job, you lost your family, you lost your way of life, you had no hope, nothing. So as you look at this man, he stood out because this man came from the crowd and Jesus touched him. What I love about this story is because in the context, you see this man that had to have been tired of his situation. 
You see this man that had to be tired of the way his life was going. And you see this man who was desperate to see change. Who was desperate to see God do something. And this man gets word that Jesus is a healer. This man gets word that Jesus is doing miracles. And when you look at this man, this man is in the crowd. This man is listening to the sermons. This man is listening to the teachings. But this man knows that it's going to take a lot more than just listening to sermons that's going to change his life. It's going to take a lot more than just learning about Jesus that's going to change his life. And when I saw this in the scripture, I realized that there were thousands of people saying that they were following Jesus in that crowd, but only one got healed. Only one truly changed. And when I read this passage of scripture, it got me to really study it. Because I know that there are many people like this man that they want their lives to change. And I know that there are men like this that people just want to see their lives transformed. But see, my challenge this morning for our church is like this man, we go beyond just being a part of a church crowd. Like this man, I pray that our church goes beyond just listening to sermons. Sunday after Sunday, going to church, being a part of the church family, being a part of this crowd. I pray that we go beyond just teaching and learning about Jesus. I really pray that you have this experience with the Lord that causes you to have this divine change that's going to go beyond just another Sunday, just beyond another sermon. Because when you look at this story in the context, many people sat there for days They listened to Jesus teach. They listened to the sermons. They said, wow, what a great message. But let me tell you what the Bible doesn't say, which we know took place. After it was all over, they finished, they went home, and nothing happened. Does that sound like your life today? Does it seem like lately you go to church, you're a part of the crowd, you listen to the sermons, you listen to the teachings, you learn, but then you go home Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, and yet nothing really changes. So my prayer is that maybe today you're tired of your situation. Maybe there's a change in your life that you're desperate for. You're wanting this change. You're wanting to grow. You're wanting to get better. But the reality is, like the people on that crowd, many people will listen to sermons and never change. Many people will go to church and be a part of a crowd and never see transformation. Many people will listen to the teachings Many people will learn about Jesus, but they will stay stuck where they're at. They will stay struggling with the struggles they have and never truly experience the transformative power of God. And I know that there are many of you here, you're listening online, you don't want to say, oh, I go to church and I listen to sermons, but I'm still stuck in the same problems. There's something wrong that 
like these people in the crowd, that you're in a crowd of people, you're listening to Jesus, you're listening to the sermons, and yet you're stuck in the same habits. You're struggling with the same sin. You have the same attitudes. And I can tell you that there is a lot of people like what we just read. They're a part of this church crowd. They're a part of this community that listens and learns about the Lord, but they really never truly get touched by God. Notice that out of all the people in the crowd, there was only one man that truly got touched by Jesus. Truly got touched by God. So I'm wondering today how many church services you go to where the Lord doesn't really touch you. How many sermons do you listen to where the Lord doesn't really touch you? And you go home and you go to work to do it all over again next week, Sunday, and never truly get touched by God. See, when God truly touches you, Whatever area of your life he touches, changes. When the Lord truly touches you, whatever area you struggle with is not a struggle anymore. See, when this man truly got touched by Jesus, he came to Jesus one way, but he left another. Do you understand that? And this is why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says that if anyone belongs to Christ, he has become a new person. The old life, listen, the old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Notice that if you're in Christ... There has to be such a transformation that you see the old life gone. The old ways of thinking. The old ways of living. The old ways of behaving. The old world views. The old habits. The old attitudes. The old things you used to do. God says, when you belong to me, there comes a point that you become a new person. And the old is gone. The Bible says, when you belong to Jesus. You see, when you look at this large crowd in Matthew chapter 8, the Bible says they followed him. Look at Matthew 8, verse 1. The Bible says that large crowds followed him. You know what this means in context? If we were, tra- if we, if we were transported to this time right now, and we would have asked anyone on that crowd, Hey, are you a Christ follower? You know what they would have said? Yes. Obviously, look, large crowds followed him. So they would tell you, yes, we're Christ followers. But when you really take a closer look and examine their lives, you would not see any change in them. 
In fact, they would go home the same. Same old life, same old problems, same old habits, same old. But if you would ask them, are you a Christ follower? They would say, yes. Because the Bible makes it clear there. Large crowds followed him. But does that really mean they were saved? Does that really mean that they belong to Jesus? No. You see, what I'm afraid of today is that we can have large crowds and large churches with large congregations, with large ministries, with great teachings and great sermons, and you would ask people, are you a Christ follower? And they'll say, read the bumper sticker, look at my t-shirt, of course I'm a Christ follower, but the truth is, they think they're following Jesus, but they really don't belong to Him. There hasn't been a real change And as churches grow and crowds get bigger and people claim to be followers of Jesus, there's no true belonging to Him. There's no true transformation by Him. So even though large crowds followed Him and listened to sermons and teachings and learned about Jesus, not one per only one person in that crowd truly got touched by Him. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people in the crowd that have not truly been touched by Jesus. See, we want to say that we follow Christ. But see, what stood out from this crowd was one man. And the Bible says in verse 2 of this passage, a man with leprosy, which in the Bible was a symbolism also of sin. A disease. A man with leprosy. He came. He was in the crowd. But the difference was that this man came. And, notice the and. Remember what I've been teaching these past three weeks. When you see the word and, it's a direct contrast to something else. So the Bible is letting you know that this man was directly Defying towards the other crowd, completely different. What man this, what made this man stand out from the entire crowd that was following Jesus? Was that this man and what? Knelt. This man knelt before him and said, Lord. In the Bible, the idea of kneeling was a symbol and an act of surrender. And he called him Lord. And this is why he was so different from everyone else in the crowd. Because though everyone was in the crowd, not all, none of them truly surrendered to Jesus. But they were part of a crowd that loved him, They were part of a crowd that worshipped him. They were part of a crowd that learned about him. But they never knelt and called him Lord. 
And this is what's happening today in the churches all around America. We want to be a crowd of people that love Jesus, learn about him, sing songs and worship, but don't ask me to surrender. Don't ask me to submit to him. Because when you knelt before someone in the Bible, you are letting that person know, I'm under your authority. I am submitting to you. So this man stood out from the crowd. He didn't just want to be a part of the crowd that listened to sermons. He didn't just want to be a part of the crowd that said, I follow Jesus and I love him. This man said, I want to stand out from the crowd and be the one that gets touched by Jesus to the point that I'm never the same again, that I can truly experience the power of God, and I know that if I want that from my life, I have to do what a lot of people aren't doing. I have to truly surrender and submit my life to Jesus. This is what it means to live surrendered. In submission, the word Lord there that this man used literally means master and one that is over you. It means master. See, many people want to say they're followers of Christ, but they still want to be the master of their own life. In other words, I'll say that I'm a Christ follower. I'll love Jesus. I'll learn and listen to sermons. But I want to do what I want to do. I want to call the shots. I want to take control of my life. Because it's my life. This is my life, my body, my money, my house, I control my future. I control my destiny. It's me and myself and I. I am the master of my life. But see, God says, if that's the way you're going to think, you're just going to be a part of the crowd that listens to sermons and says they're following me, but you're never going to truly experience my transformative power and my blessing that I have for you. If you want to see the best that God has for your life, there has to be a surrendered life. There has to be a, a level of submission that you say, Lord, my life is not my own. It belongs to you now. So if you're happy with just listening to sermons and never being touched by God, stay how you're doing. Stay that way. But if you truly want to see and experience the power of God in your life. You have to live surrendered. It's not just about being a part of a church that listens to sermons. It's about being touched by the Holy Spirit in such a way that you're never the same again. That other people look at that change in your life and they directly connect it to Jesus and want him. See, we want to follow Jesus, but we don't want him to be master of our lives. And in James chapter 4, verse 7, 
What's interesting about this passage is that James tells this church, submit yourselves then to God. Why would James tell a church to submit to God if they're in church? Because not everyone that's in church has submitted to God. And if James has to tell you to do something, it's because you're not doing it. So James tells this church, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee. That word to resist the devil doesn't mean that you wake up on Monday and say, I'm going to resist the devil. I am not going to give in. I am not going to give in. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to do that sin. I'm going to control my temper. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, sorry, God, I gave in. The devil got me today. Does it feel like the devil has too much control over your life? The Bible says that it's possible for the devil to look at you and say, I can't even bother you anymore. I'm out. I'll flee. That word resist means that something has no effect on you. Wouldn't it be amazing if the devil had no effect on you? The devil had no effect on your thinking, your emotions, your behavior, your attitude, your choices. He would just look at you and say, I can't even affect you, so I'm out. You would say, of course, pastor, is that even possible? There it is. It's possible. But how? Well, what's the first word in that verse? Why is it that when we read this, we skip that word? We always say, resist the devil, he'll flee, brother. Resist him. And we forget that James said, uh, submit. It's not about your power, it's about his power. It's not about willpower, it's about his power. Submit yourselves to God. You know what God says? That word submit is the word hupo, which means under, kaeo, which means yield. In two words, when you put those, that word together, it literally means to come under and yield. So God is saying here, when you come under me and yield to me, I'm going to in turn give you the strength you need so that that devil has no effect in your life. To come under and yield. You ever been a part of, you know, you ever driven through a yield sign? How many driven through a yield sign? You know you're not supposed to, right? You're all guilty. You're supposed to slow down and stop. But it doesn't say stop. But see, I have a, by my house this roundabout with a yield sign. I'm going to tell you, you know how many times I've almost gone into an accident because no one yields in Miami. No one yields. They don't know what it means. I drive with Enrique. He doesn't yield, ever. And I said, you're supposed to stop, but no one's there. 
you're supposed to stop. See, when you're driving and you see that yield sign, you know what has to happen? Let's say you're going 30, 40, or 50, but when you see that yield sign, you see it and it changes something. Because you see that yield, you take your foot off the gas, you tap on the brake, you begin to slow down and stop, and you make adjustments, right? So when God's, because you know that you do not have the right of way. That's why that little red yield sign is there. Learn it. Do it. It might save your life and your car. And that's what God says submission looks like. When you come under me and you yield, it means that now that you see God and you understand him, you begin to make adjustments in your life. You begin to adjust certain mindsets and you begin to adjust certain behaviors and habits and attitudes and and ways of living because now that you have seen the yield sign you make the adjustment necessary to understand that God says now I have the right of way in your life it means that you do things the way I would do them you obey the things I tell you to do You make the adjustments necessary to be pleasing to me, God says. You make the adjustments necessary to be obedient to my word, God says. And when you live submitted to God, the devil can't touch you. When you live submitted to God, there comes a point that the devil says, I can't even have an effect on you because everything you do and all the choices you make line up with God because you are now living surrendered. See, the problem is, let me illustrate this by showing you the game of chess. If you've ever played chess, you know that there are two sides. And when you play chess, the truth is you have the choice to do whatever you want. And that's how life is. In life, you have free will. God doesn't make us robots. God doesn't just say you will do it because I'm going to program you to do it. God says, I'm going to put you on this earth and you're going to have the freedom to do Whatever you want, you're like, that's awesome. But wait, God says. Like chess, I have the choice to move whatever piece I want. As long as that piece is moved the way it was designed for. If I want to move the pawn, it was designed to move only forward. If I want to move the bishop, it was designed to move in a V pattern. If I want to move the rook, it was designed to only go straight. If I want to move the queen, it can go up and vertical in because the queen does whatever she wants. You get it? Because there are certain designs and rules to be followed with the choices you make. And that's what it looks like to have free will in life. God says, I've given you free will. You can get up in the morning. You can do what you want, say what you want, live how you want. But I want you to understand that in this life, even though I've given you free will, I have designs and rules I've placed. 
And if you want the best out of life, you have to submit to the ruling of God. And you have to submit to the design that He has created. For example, if you're married, you can do whatever you want in marriage. Anything. But God said you have free will. If you want, you can tell your wife off. Free will. If you want, you can just walk out, leave the house, disrespect one another. Nothing, God is not going to force you to be a great spouse. Why? Free will. But God says, hey, but if you want the best out of your marriage, I've written rules about it. And I have designed it in certain ways. See, I've designed marriage to be between a man and a woman. That's it. I have designed marriage to be respected and honored. So my rules is if you submit to one another, if you follow my rules for marriage and you humble yourself and treat your spouse with respect and love, if you truly love your spouse, if you follow the design that I have for marriage and to follow the rules and you use your free will to submit to my ruling, it will bless your life. That's what it means to live surrender to God. God says you have free will when it comes to your money. Go ahead, max out the credit card, empty out the account, buy the heels, beautiful heels, beautiful purse, take that vacation, buy that car, buy that thing you know you can't afford but looks so good on you. But God says, you know that I have uh, given you free will, but if you want the best out of your finances, you should really follow the, my design for it. Because I've designed money not to control you. I've designed debt never to rule your life. I've designed and I have certain rules that if you don't become a slave to the lender and you save and you tithe, it will go well with you. You have free will when it comes to raising kids. Those are your kids. You can raise them however you want. Why? Because we have free will. Move however you want them to move. But God says, I've given you free will with those kids. But if you want the best results for those children, you should follow my design for child raising. You should follow my rules for child raising. What are some of those rules? Don't spare the rod. Uh, the other rule is, lead them in the way they should go. So when they're older, they won't depart, which means that you should be a leader of godliness. And God says, when you follow my design and my rules, you can use your free will to bless you. God has a free will that he's given us. But see, we've taken this free will of God to mean I do what I want. I make my decisions. I make my choices. Whatever I want, I get. Whatever makes me happy. And that's why we live in such a messed up society today because we have been convinced that our freedom has given us a license to sin and do whatever we want. But God says, no, in my love, I've given you free will. But also in my love, I've given you rules and design. 
So when you come under the authority and the submission of God, you're saying, Lord, I am surrendered and I am yielding to your design. I will live how you have designed life to be lived. I will treat people the way you have designed it. I will lead my children the way you have designed it. I will live my marriage the way you have designed it. I will conduct my finances the way you have designed it. I will make my choices according to your design. And when you live under the design and ruling of God, it will cause the devil to flee. Be gone. So how do you know you're living surrendered? A lot of people think they are. A lot of them, listen, again, the crowd thought they were Christ followers. But how many of them kneeled? One. How many of them truly said, Lord? One. So just because you're in the crowd doesn't mean you've surrendered. Just because you're in the crowd doesn't mean you've yielded to Jesus. You can be in the crowd and still calling the shots. You can be in the crowd and still moving however you want to move, doing whatever you want to do. You can be in the crowd and not under the authority and the design and the ruling of God. And these are the people that make counseling appointments to me and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I don't know why my life is so messed up. I go to your church. I think it's you, Pastor. And it's not me. It's you. If you make the choice like this man to say, I'm going to be more than just a spectator because that's what the crowd was. They were spectators. I just want to hear the sermons and see the miracles and see what Jesus does, but... Don't ask me to kneel, surrender, and make him the master of my life. I've never seen anyone that caused the shots in their life tell me, wow, ever since I've been doing things without God, my life has been amazing. Never. You'll be the first in history. I've never met a couple that says, man, ever since we've decided as a couple not to go to church anymore, not to serve God anymore, our marriage has been amazing. Never. Man, ever since I decided to tell my kids, do what they want with God, you're free to do what you want, and I let them choose. I let them choose. I've never met a parent say, man, ever since I gave my kids the choice to serve God, Look at them, pastor, they just love the Lord. I've never met anyone that says, man, ever since I strayed from God and started doing what I wanted, my life has been blessed. No, you know why it hasn't been blessed? Because if you choose to take control of your own life and not make the Lord the master of your life, you will not be able to resist the devil and the devil will rule your life. And any area where the devil rules will be destroyed. Is this making sense this morning? Living surrendered. Let me tell you three things this man did that shows me whether you're living surrendered or not. You guys ready for this one? The first thing I see, this is how you know you're not living surrendered. Verse 2. The Bible says, a man with leprosy came and knelt 
The first thing that this man did, he stepped out of the crowd and he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. And let me explain something to you in the context of this verse. Being a man with leprosy meant that this man could not just show up in the crowd without being killed or rejected or thrown out. This man had to have covered it up. Had to. If not, by the rules of society, he would have been completely stoned to death. So I know without a doubt that this man was in the crowd and he covered up his little leprosy. And this is how a lot of people come to church nowadays. You want to be a part of the crowd, but cover up your little leprosy, your little sin. It's just a little blemish. But see, this man, when he came to Jesus, he said, cleanse me of my leprosy. So the first thing he did, the first way you know that you are truly surrendered to God is that you're able to come to Jesus just as you are. No games, no cover-ups, no gimmicks. You're able to tell Jesus, this is who I am. The Bible says that this man made a choice to come to Jesus. He was tired of just covering it up, pretending to be fine, pretending to be happy. Do you know how many people in the church pretend to be spiritual, pretend to be happy, pretend to be great, pretend to be fine, but if you truly surrender to the Lord, you're not interested in pretending in front of Jesus because you truly want change and you say, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. That's why in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, come to me. Notice that Jesus did not say, I'll come to you. No. Jesus stood there and said, come to me. He gave everyone the option and the free will of choice to come to him. It's a choice you make when you say, I'm coming to Jesus in surrender. But the Lord will not force you. The Lord will not say, you will serve me. We don't serve Darth Vader. We serve Jesus Christ. Who says, come to me. It's your choice. Come to me. Who qualifies to be in Jesus? Notice what he says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden. And I'll give you rest. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary. You know, that word weary is a Greek word that literally means to work beyond exhaustion. It's when you're trying and trying and trying so hard that you're just worn out already. Has that been your life lately? You're just trying and trying and trying to get better and you're trying to get by and you're trying to fix it and you're trying to heal it and you're trying but you're saying, Pastor, I'm just exhausted. Then you qualify to come to Jesus. He said, come to me, all of you who are exhausted. Go back to that verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary, exhausted, trying so hard, and all of you who carry a heavy burden, which is interesting because that word heavy burden, when you read it in the Greek as well, in the same language it was originally written, that word heavy burden is a Greek word that literally means 
It's a bag that you used to carry, like a backpack you would carry either on yourself or you would lay it on your animals for a long journey. But what would happen is that that backpack with time walking in this journey, either the animal you put it on or the that you laid it on got tired. You know, when you carry a bag at first, you're saying, man, I got this. But you walk long enough, and what happens? It gets heavier. And you say, man, I need a break. So oftentimes, when that bag got heavy, they would pull off the road, and they would let their animals rest, or that other person laid it off and took a breath and just rested so that he can regain their strength, so that they can go back to the journey. You know when that verse was written, what Jesus was really saying? You come to me when you're exhausted and you're tired of trying. You come to me if the journey has you tired. But you know what this verse is wrongly translated? We tend to think that when Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I'll give you rest, we tend to think that what Jesus meant was, you come to me and I'm going to take away your burdens. No. Because I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people in this church that are saved and born again, and I know it without a doubt, and they have a burden. You know what this means? Jesus says, you come to me. And the same way a man releases the backpack and gets rest and strength again to finish, Jesus says, you come to me, and I'm going to give you the strength to finish this journey you're on. That's all Jesus promised. That with him, he will give you the strength to finish what he has started. To finish the journey. Because there's a lot of people that think, I can't finish this journey. I can't go on. And Jesus says, if you come to me, you will. But there's a lot of us that don't want to live surrendered and want to keep trying. I think I can do it on my own. I think I can do it without God. But God says, there comes a point you just need to come to me and surrender it. Just come to me and let it go. That's why in Psalm 46.10, it's one of the most amazing scriptures. God tells his people, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Being still doesn't mean you do nothing. You just, you just stay still. That word still literally means to let go and stop striving. See, there are some things in your life God says, I wish you let that go. I, I wish you would let that go and, and let me do something about it. I wish you would stop striving. I wish you would stop thinking that you can do it. I wish you would stop trying and let it go. Because what this scripture means is that there are certain things you can do nothing about. There are certain problems you can't do anything about. There are certain addictions you can't get over without God. There are certain people you will never be able to change. So God says, why don't you just let that go? 
See, when Psalm 46 was written, it was written in the context of battle and war. So God is saying there are some certain battles that you cannot fight on your own. You need me. And maybe you've come to this church because God wanted to give you a reality check and tell you you're not that strong. You're not that spiritual. You're not that good. You need to let this go. That's why this man came to Jesus because there came a point in his life he said, I can do nothing to fix this. So he came to Jesus. The second thing this man did when you live surrendered, not only do you come to Jesus and you let it go, but notice in verse 2, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him, that surrender, and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What I love about this man is that he said, you can make me clean. You can. See, when you live surrendered to God, I want you to notice something about this man with leprosy. He did not come to Jesus with demands. He came to Jesus with requests. You know who comes to God with demands? People who are masters of their life. People who are masters of their lives have expectations and expect God to do things a certain way by a certain time in a certain manner. And they expect God to answer this prayer and they come to God with expectation. But when you live surrendered, you're telling God, Lord, this is my request. Not a demand. You can go to God and say, Lord, this is what I think I need. Lord, this is what I want. Lord, this is what I want you to do. Lord, this is what I desire. But don't you come to God saying, Lord, I want this now. I want it by the time I'm this age, at this time, in this way, in this manner. And God's going to look at you and say, who do you think you are? You know how many people in the church are demanding to God? And then when he doesn't do it the way you demanded, you start questioning, you start doubting, you throw a little fit and you say, why God? And I don't understand God. And God, you're so unfair. And God doesn't say, no, it's not that I'm unfair. It's that I'm your master, not you. You get angry, you doubt, because you think you have control over God. God tells us, give me your request. And watch how it changes your life, but stop with your demands. Stop telling God you need children by this age, or marriage by this age, or this promotion by this time. And live surrendered. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have peace. Some of you are like, what's peace? It's something that God promises us. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7. 
What are the, here's a sign that you're not surrendered to God. Don't worry about anything. How many of you can say, Pastor, I have that verse down pat. Show me your hands. How many of you are worried about something right now? All right. You're not surrendered. One of the signs that you're not living surrender, remember, you give it to God. When you give it to God, you stop stressing about it. And some of you say, no, I've given it to the Lord, but you don't sleep. You worry all the time. You have anxiety. You're popping pills. I can't calm down. But yeah, I surrendered it to God. You know what God says? Don't worry about anything. Anything. What about Corona? Don't worry. What about the stock market? Don't worry. What about who's going to be president? Don't worry. What about the economy? Don't worry. What about my children? Don't worry. My spouse? Don't worry. My job? Don't worry. My bills? Don't worry. Don't worry. Why? Well, God says, don't worry. Instead, pray. If you would spend the time you do worrying in prayer, you'd have such peace in your life. And notice what he says. Tell God what you need. Well, doesn't God already know my needs? Yeah, but God wants to hear it from you. The Bible says present your request to God. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. You know what worried people don't do? They don't thank God. You're just too busy worrying. And notice the promise. You will experience God's peace. What does it mean to experience God's peace? You know that right now God has peace. God looks at the world. God looks at the chaos. He looks at the problems. He sees the, everything that's going on. And God is just at peace. And you know why God is at peace? It's because God is in control. And God is in control is because God is master over everything. But someone that worries, worries about something that they think they're master over. Whatever you worry, you are master over. If you're worried about your finances, it's because you have become the master of your finances. If you're worried about your life, it's because you have become the master of your life. But when you live surrendered, you don't worry. This man came to Jesus and simply said, I know I want to be cleaned. This is what I want. And the third thing that this, this man did was amazing in verse 2 again. Let's read verse 2 one more time to close. A man with leprosy came and knelt, surrendered. How do you know you're surrendered? He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So there it is. Number one, he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. Is that your response as we close this morning? To come to Jesus? When was the last time you truly knelt before God? 
over your situation? When was the last time you came and truly knelt before God over a person in your life? Let God be the master of your life by you saying, Lord, I'm coming to you with this. And notice he knelt before him and he said, Lord, you can make me clean. He gave his request, not a demand. But the third thing this man did that just blew my mind, which will challenge your faith, he said, Lord, if you're willing. You know how hard this, it was for this man to be covered in leprosy, to know that if he was just cleansed, he can get his life back, his family back, his job back, his livelihood back, his happiness back, his peace back. He can get his ways back. He knew that if I just had this, so he came to Jesus, he knelt and surrendered, he called him Lord, but then he said something that's the ultimate test and testimony of a surrendered life. He said, Lord, if only you are willing. He said, Lord, if it's your will, because one of the third signs this man displayed is that when you live surrendered, you live for the will of God and not yours. So this man said, Lord, if you're willing, you can. He had the faith to go to Jesus and he had the faith to say, you can make me clean. That's faith. But you know what this man was saying? What I want you to get this morning just because God can, doesn't mean He will. That's hard. But this man said, Lord, if you're willing, I know you can. But Lord, if you don't, you're still Lord. He called Him Lord even if He wasn't willing to heal Him. He would call him Lord even though he didn't know the outcome of what Jesus would do. And that's when you know you've lived surrendered. You're telling God, I don't know the outcome of this situation. I don't know the outcome of my life. I don't know the outcome of my future. But I know that the outcome will be, you're still my Lord. And I'm still trusting you. So even if you don't answer my request the way I thought you would, even if you do things that seem hurtful and unfair, you're still my Lord. And that's the sign of a surrendered life. You come to Jesus in surrender. You stop striving and you let God handle it. You present your request to God, but you know that ultimately is His will that you seek. And I wonder... When Jesus said, I'm willing, I'm willing, what came to my mind was this question. Lord, I wonder what you're willing to do in the life of a person that truly surrenders to you. Maybe God is saying, you don't know what I'm willing to do for you if you humble yourself and come to me already. You don't know what I'm willing to do if you stop trying yourself and just give me a chance. You don't know what I'm willing to heal, what I'm willing to fix, what I'm willing to bless, what I'm willing to give and do if you would just come to me 
And stop being a person that's just in the crowd, listening to the sermons, going back home and having no significant change. Come to me, truly come to me and say, Lord, in my free will, I'm going to submit to your ruling and your design and live for you. And that's what it looks like to live a surrendered life. Let's pray. With every head bowed this morning, I don't want you to be just another person in another crowd in another church listening to another pastor who's preaching another sermon. I want you to be a person that says, I've been touched by Jesus. And many people truly never get touched because they truly never come to Jesus. And my opportunity this morning is for anyone here today that's not sure if they've truly come to Jesus, I want to lead you in this prayer of faith. I want to lead you in two prayers today. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, Jesus said, come to me. It's your choice. And if you want to be free from your sin, if you want to be forgiven, transformed, the Lord loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. So that whoever believes in him will be saved. But again, it's your choice. And if this is your choice this morning, whether you're here or you're listening online, I want you to pray this with me from your heart. And you just say there, Lord Jesus, I surrender. Forgive me for the way I've lived my life. Forgive me for my sins. I've done it on my own and I can't anymore. So today, I surrender to you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins as I now give you my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. And if you're here this morning as your head stay bowed, you're saying, Pastor, I am a born-again believer. I am a believer of Jesus Christ. I know I am a Christ follower. But lately, I've had situations I haven't let go. So my prayer this morning is for people that need to be still before the Lord. This is a believer's prayer now. That there's a situation in your life, a person in your life, a problem in your life that you're trying to fix, trying to get better, trying to get healed, but it's just not working. And it's time for you that, to believe that the Lord brought you to this church so that you can let that go and trust Him. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up as an act of surrender. Whatever it is, God bless you. You all across the room. Tell the Lord right now what it is. Say, Lord, I surrender. And blank. Say, Lord, I can't do anything about this. But today, I'm going to live surrender to you by giving you this problem. And here's a hard part I'm going to ask you to do in your heart. You give your request to God. Tell Him what you want. But would you finish that prayer this morning by saying this now? Lord, if it's your will, 
I surrender it to you under your will. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this service as we get ready to leave and go home. I pray, Lord, that we get home truly touched by you. I pray for every person here that needs to be still and know that you're God. Father, take that problem now. Give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God, give some Lord some praise this morning if you guys are blessed by this morning. I want to thank you all for being here today.